outages, we used to call them blackouts. The more cool name is outages, <laughs> is an interruption of power. As majorly an engineering field, the power sector is mostly full of jargon and numerous myths that can sometimes be challenging to non-energy professionals seeking to understand the industry. To help us shed light to some everyday terminologists, the Power Dialogue speaks to a seasoned power expert to demystify some jargon we often come about in everyday parlance and news about the sector. Karibu sana, Dr. Mativo, to the Power Dialogue podcast. It's a pleasure speaking to you today. Karibu. Thank you. I have a question that I usually throw at every podcast guest for this. I would just like to know if there's a moment in your life that access to power or rather lack of access to power affected the quality of your life and if that has since changed. Definitely having grown up or moved from area to area. I think the funniest is always when you wake up in the morning, the shirts are not ironed. So you have to make sure that you keep your coat the whole day because you don't remove it. Other people will know that at least you miss electricity. Definitely go to a point where you either ensure that to iron on Sundays because you don't be sure of the other days. I can comment at least has happened, at least where I stay. More or less, at least 99.9% of the time, I can always risk to iron in the morning. To me, there's definitely great improvement on that. I'm a Chelsea fan football, so I had my occasions where power disappeared, unfortunately, at the right time when we were about to win and missed the final goal or missed the trophy. So definitely I've had both entertainment and also my life interrupted. One or two equipment because of a voltage. I've seen it all. There are some jargons in everyday parlance that I would just like for you to shed some light on. What exactly is a megawatt? Just how much power is that? This is unit of measure of power. This is what rates either the source of using or producing. It's always good to know so that it gives you a good indication when you're told to use energy seven bulbs. That eight watt produces seven as a sixty or so bulbs. So that's the seven that you have. But at the same time, we produce power and it's also measured in watts or a megawatt, gigawatts, thousand watts, that's kilowatts, a million watts, that's megawatt. So you'll get a Kenjen, maybe having all career power plant coming at 140 megawatts, which is 140 million watts. Let's take Kenya, for example, we are over 2000 megawatts total capacity. So to just explain that, how many households, if we can quantify, can one megawatt power so that we can just explain the amount of power that we have in this country. It goes back to consumption. The country has an installed capacity of around 2,900 megawatts. Our consumption peak demand went slightly above 2,006, we are above 6,000, but which varies depending on time. We consume an average of 170 watts per person per capita. So it's quite low even compared to most other areas because you can imagine that this is all close to three bulbs or something like that. That's the average consumption we have. But as you move from one area, especially depending on how affluent an area is, the consumption increases. Currently, Kenya Power is connected to almost uh, 7 million customers, both households, which are majority industrial. But in terms of just bare numbers, the residential are close to 6 point something million, while the average in the north is 500,000. So we are way below almost 10% of other developed countries. But uh, when Kenyans get more affluent, you buy a TV, you buy a phone that you have to charge, a fridge, your consumption goes up. 
How about kilowatts? Kilowatt per hour? I usually see that from Kenya Power accounts. Maybe let's assume you have uh, three bulbs coming to a total of maybe 80, 80, 80. That's 240 watts that you have. If you use the bulbs, maybe only the evening, you run them for one hour, what you'll have consumed is uh, 240 watts times one hour. So that's the watt hour. That's how electricity is sold and measured. So I can have a bulb which is even 100 watts in my house. If you accidentally leave it on, that means you'll have run for 24 times 100, more or less have consumed 2,400 watt hours, which is 2.4 kilowatt hours. The consumption of power is measured in terms of the wattage, which I explained earlier, that's the power you're consuming, and the time. Similarly, uh, when electricity is being produced, in this power plant, they don't run for 24 hours continuously, they run for some hours. So when you come to know how much power was actually produced, multiply the capacity of the generators times the amount of time they ran, you know the actual energy that was sold. So you start getting time being a factor and it gives you a better indication of how much you spent. Earlier I said, so far our peak is 2006 megawatt, but sometimes at night the number falls to anything like 1100. 1200 so you can actually see that at times at night consumption is quite low one of the factors as to why our consumption is not as high as developed countries is uh, we have an equatorial climate in that we don't have winter and uh, summer that needs excessive cooling. So our uses of power are quite limited. Does our climate have something to do with our consumption? Yes, you're correct that uh, climate plays a great role in terms of uh, consumption. If you don't have extreme weathers that you can more or less manage in your office or at home. So when you find these other countries in the North or Southern Hemisphere, they spend a lot of power in terms of heating the houses, so there's a lot of consumption. Or during summer when it's hot, they also spend a lot in terms of cooling. That is actually one of the issues that plays a key role in terms of consumption uh, all over the world. A few years ago, we used to have whole pages from Kenya Power announcing outages in some areas uh, that has moved to online platforms. Planned and unplanned outages, what exactly does this mean? Outages, we used to call them blackouts. The more cool name is outages. <laughs> is an interruption of power because uh, there can be different forms of outages. One definitely is a blackout where power completely disappears. Then you have brownouts where you still have power but the quality is bad. So it's easier to define issues of outages. So you are supposed to be receiving power 24 hours for the whole month, for the whole year. That's what we expected to give you. But for whatever reason, you are not having power. That means you have an outage going on. So there are two different types of outages, planned and unplanned. Planned, I'm sure you see notices either on social media or newspapers. You just rightfully said why you announced that Kenya Power plans to undertake some maintenance in an area or need to extend a line uh, for example ketraco we need to stream of our existing line so we need the line to be shut off when you're working there are various reasons to improve the system that necessitate for the line to be switched off unlike developed countries where they have attained what we call the n minus one security criteria where everybody is supplied by more than one different direction so that if you have one line off you get supply from a different direction in Kenya, we still have so many radio lines going out. If you lose part of it, you lose everything. That's why there's a lot of emphasis in terms of reinforcing the grid. And once we get to that point, we're able to ensure that we minimize plant outages. Long time ago, Nairobi used to be supplied with line from Olkaria through Nairobi North, one line. Then you have the hydros coming to Dandora. And if anything was to happen in Dandora, 
or even maintenance to be done in Nairobi, you have the whole of Nairobi being switched off. But right now, we have a ring system around Nairobi so that uh, you can actually do maintenance in Dandora and still supply Nairobi with power from uh, Isinya, Atriva, and Makasi area. So we have more and more ways to supply power. Both the distribution and transmission continues getting improved. You have less and less plant outages. And plant outages, now those are the ones we hate because you, they don't give a notice. Power just disappears. Maybe it wants to rain, power disappears. There's a fault that occurs that was not planned for. Either a tree falls on the line and trips the line or one of the conductor snaps or even a drunkard goes and hits a Kenya power pole and it comes down. So there are various areas that especially maintenance that need to be improved to minimize the number of unplanned outages. Good quality work and equipment on the ground, especially when it comes to industrial people who that a small flicker, a surge or a dip can cause them to lose a motor. So that's, that's another part that is in between part of unplanned which are quite dangerous for equipment make some people use other sources of power. Power and rain. Here sometimes Kenya power and steamer. Is there a relationship between these two? Because most of the time before it rains, the lights go off. What's the relationship between these two? There are two main reasons and they're all related to maintenance. One of them is trace management, cutting down trees. And the other thing is removing the dust from the insulators. If we don't clean our insulators, dust definitely accumulates. The moment there's some form of moisture, it can allow electricity to find a path along that. So those are the two main causes. Or if there's a loose connection in equipment or in the substation and it has not been picked up, it can easily form a short circuit from one end to the other end. I know we joke that uh, sometimes electricity fears rain, but that's not the reason. This only this equipment was made to be outdoor. We just have to up our game in terms of doing maintenance. You have mentioned about hydros. So this might be a foreign term to some of our listeners. What exactly are these hydros and what is hydro energy? Electricity is generated by rotating a magnet through a number of wires. So we use various technologies to rotate, which is the generator. The mechanism of generation is from the water that is running that had been dumped. But you also have places like Sondu, where it's a runoff. Part of the water just enters and falls at a great depth and runs the turbines going down. So that's water-based hydro power. Probably you can tell us about hydrogen as well as a means of power. Looking at options, and that's where the world is going to, that hydrogen will be a great source of power to drive vehicles, to drive ships. There's even fuel for making steel. It's going to be quite big. For example, we have excess power in Kenya. You can convert that electricity in quartz into hydrogen, use the hydrogen to produce power again. It's a way of storing power. So it's going to be a big thing in the country. And there are many opportunities, especially for us who have renewable energy in the system, to take advantage of hydrogen to make either fuel or to store electricity. That's something new that is coming, which is very exciting. In Kenya, I think we are currently working on the pilot. I know people who are doing still who also want to do pilot projects. I know right now we're talking about electric vehicles. The trucks and the trains, these big, heavy moving things, might actually be running on hydrogen and electricity. The world is always changing, that it's going to be both a source of fuel and a way to store electricity. When you have excess, you can put in hydrogen. Moving on, please explain to us how wind energy generation comes about. 
In Kenya, we have really fortunately, thank God, we have very good wind regimes. One of them is the north, in Masabit area to the Electrokana. Gong, all the way down to Isinya Kipeto area, also has a good regime. You put the turbines, and as wind passes them, it rotates the turbines. The turbines will rotate the motor. The generator will produce electricity. So you have a number of them. The ones we have in Kenya, the biggest is actually producing close to one megawatt. But in the world, those ones that they put in the sea, almost one of them can run five megawatts of power. So so it's still the same thing. What you're using is wind to drive the turbines. I've seen uh, wind turbines are in the sea. Is there a correlation between those two forms of energy generation? Is it just because of the breeze within the oceans that the wind can be harnessed more? I think for those areas, they have very good uh, wind uh, regimes in the sea. So that's why they take advantage. Secondly, uh, they also minimize the use of land. Anything on land is also taking space, and nowadays there, there's so many environmental issues and concerns. But they're just taking advantage of the good wind regime and putting them in the sea. But already we have some on land. Uh, maybe that's why ours are focused in terms of inland. Please tell us how geothermal energy is generated. Under the earth, there is the magma that hits the earth. Places like Olkari are quite close to where the magma is. So the water that over time has been sipping on the ground is under a very high pressure along the rift valley so when you drill a well and uh, you release the steam it leaves actually very hot at very high pressure it's the steam that is underground that we are basically using to drive our turbines and it's a natural resource what does this mean renewable sources of energy Renewable sources of energy are energy forms that you can use in a sustainable way to ensure the next generation still has access to them. Whether it's wind, solar, they are not leaving any carbon footprint. That is what makes this green. When we talk about thermal energy, the power plants that are run on heavy fuel or some form of diesel or generation, what they do is purchase fuel. The fuel is heated and it it runs boilers and this turns into steam and the steam again is used to generate power. Uh, typically we use them for picking. So maybe in the evening if you go down to Mombasa, maybe from 6, 7, 8 to the when there's peak demand to ensure that we have voltage stability. Why don't we do away with thermals? You have mentioned picking. Probably you can just enlighten our audiences as to why this is necessary. The generation plants are usually not next to the load center. For example, the biggest load center in Kenya is Nairobi, followed by Mombasa. And the sources of power are usually a distance away. If you look at the hydropower stations along the Tana, you have to go all the way to Kamburu and the rest to get them. If it's wind, you maybe have to go all the way to Lake Tukana to get that. If it's on carrier, again, you have to go there. So that means the power has to be transmitted over long distances to the load center. So we have the powers coming to Nairobi, then Mombasa. Unfortunately, Mombasa does not have uh, its own power source. And the problem with electricity is that if you move electricity over a long distance, for example, all carrier to Mombasa, you have stability issues. And that's why you have to have some form of generation and equipment, let's say in Mombasa, especially at peak towers, to run to ensure that you can manage the voltages. It's important that we still have some form of thermal generation in Mombasa to ensure that even as we bring more and more power from all carrier or other sources of power, the system is still stable. We cannot get rid of them. I know we have reduced our use quite a lot. Once we increase the voltage of the line to 400 kV, we'll be able to manage the voltage much better.
there's also this aspect of thermals coming online faster than other sources if demand is stepped up what can you say about that and the nature of uh, thermal energy you're correct unlike most other sources of power where to ramp up from zero to a certain production level takes some time when it comes to thermal because you're just switching on and you switch it on and it picks in a few seconds it's up and running on its maximum capacity you cannot achieve that with wind you cannot switch off the wind or even solar and want it to just come at your time when you require quick electricity at peak or you need to wrap up power quickly uh, thermal plants are usually the most reliable and best way to meet that demand super we also have gt turbines in muhoroni how does this work gas turbines and thermal they are more or less the same it's just that one of them is using heavy fuel and the other one is using gas the benefits are the same we used to have extremely bad voltages in kisumu and require the gt the gas turbine in moroni to pick up and ensure voltage is stabilized and uh, the need is being reduced you are aware that uh, some of the thermal power plants in mombasa they are coming to the end of power purchase agreement i think there are plans to convert some of them into gas turbines again for picking our head of state in tanzania had started negotiating the part of having gas pipeline coming to Mombasa. There are prospects that in future we'll have uh, gas turbines in Mombasa, although it's also not a renewable energy, but it's much better than the use of thermal that comes from diesel or heavy fuel. We also have nuclear energy. How does that work? <laughs> is it renewable and how is energy generated from that source? If there's an item I can use in a sustainable way to ensure the next generation has still adequate to me that that's what i call renewable nuclear is just forty that it's not in heavy use but uh it is also limited in the world so we can one day actually deplete nuclear in the world just that we don't use a lot of it nuclear energy basically is just the nuclear rods are encased and put in a way uh, that is protected again water that's why nuclear plants are close to water because they're super hot water is used to cool them and the water that is used to cool them when it touches or it comes into almost close contact it turns into steam, very high pressure, and this steam is on that is used again to drive the turbines. So again, uh, the principle of generative power is more or less the same. We had the controversial proposed LAMU coal project that didn't take off. How does the source of energy work? Coal works very close to, I said, thermal and diesel. Again, what you're doing is that you're bringing coal into a very big area, then burning it. The temperature turns water into steam. Again, that's why coal plants have to be close to water, so they're turning the water into steam. And again, the steam is used to drive. Coal, when burned, removes a lot of products that are not friendly to the environment, to the health of people. And that's why the world has decided to move away from coal. There was an option not to implement a coal plant in the recent uh, COP26. The commitments to phase out the use of coal plants to produce power. Since March, actually, it has not rained. If it was previously, it would have been having outages at this time. But Kenyans have not complained. They don't know it's because of uh, the source of power that we're having, plus the infrastructure that has been in, put in place to ensure that we don't rely on only one source of power that has actually come to ensure that uh, we can live more comfortably than our neighboring countries. We have come so far from when you used to iron your shirts on Sunday. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Engineer John Mativo, for that crash course into the power sector. In the next episode of the Power Dialogue, we will be sharing an explainer of the COP26 talks through an energy lens and its implications 
towards sustainable and affordable energy for Africa. On the Power Dialogue podcast, we cover different issues every fortnight as we give the mic to various subject experts, trailblazers and influencers in the energy sector to bring light to otherwise dark issues. If you found this episode insightful, let us know using the hashtag the power dialogue do share your questions and comments with us on social and search for the power dialogue wherever you get your podcasts till next time thanks for listening